Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Berlin-based jazz multi-instrumentalist, composer, arranger, and conductor, the great Ed Partika, on the 2023 album, Hold Your Fire. During our interview, we get into depth about this elegant new album, modern living in this post-COVID world, live shows, students in jazz these days, and so much more. Enjoy this interview. Thank you again for reaching out, sending over the wonderful vinyl. I really appreciate it. And I think... Before we get into this album, I think the thing that's so fun about, there's multiple levels of this getting vinyl in the mail. Not only is it vinyl, which is so wonderful that we're getting back to it, but you musicians are out here releasing music now. It's happening again. So I guess my, my, my whole question to you right now is, is now that we're in 2023, we're getting into a post-pandemic period of our existence. How does it feel to be able to have brand new material to put out with the possibilities of us getting back to things the way that we were used to? Um, no, it, yeah, I mean, it feels very good. Um, of course, those of us who, you know, work with larger ensembles, big bands, I mean, uh, the, you know, the pandemic was, was just terrible for us um, because, of course, playing in a jazz club with 20 musicians sitting shoulder to shoulder, you know, that was one of the first things that was cut out. It was the last things that came back. So it's really great to be back doing what we're doing. And I do feel that the break that we had has sort of energized everybody, you know, the performers, the artists, as well as the audience. What we're noticing is like when we perform live now, the audience is also just uh, seems to be really uh, much more into it. And, you know, that was something that a lot of people missed during that time sitting at home. You know, as good as a live stream might be, there is nothing like experiencing music live at a, you know, at an intimate venue with a great band. So it's something that we we really noticed. Uh, it just seems like everybody's energized in a, in, a, in a really positive way now. And it doesn't seem like it's fleeting at all. You know, I know after 9-11, the world responded and things kind of fell back into order. But it really feels like this absence and this appreciation for not only art, but music and specifically jazz is really deep, bone deep to a way where I think this is going to stay around for a long, long time. Yeah, it certainly feels like that, you know, it really, because the thing is, there's another thing that, that I've noticed that I've been seeing, you know, I, I uh, teach at a couple of, at two different universities, at the University of Music and Performing Arts in Graz, Austria, and at the um, Music University in Lucerne, Switzerland. And during the pandemic, one of the fears that I had, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, our, our application numbers, the numbers of people who are going to want to study jazz, I'm sure they're going to go down. Because, you know, after seeing how fragile the career path is, and especially during the pandemic, I thought, okay, what young person would, you know, would want to start a career in jazz music now? But what we've seen is young people are totally enthusiastic about getting into the music and, you know, making this a career. So I think that that's also a really positive sign for the future. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've noticed that so much. You know, there was a lot of musicians that I would talk to over the pandemic that knew friends that were musicians that would move out of big cities like New York and Chicago and go back home and go back to school or get another job or become an over-the-road over trucker, something to pay the bills, and there was a fear that no one would come back. So if you're a younger player and you're looking at this exodus from an art form that you want to enter a life of employment into, 
you're thinking, well, naturally it's going to happen. But I think the revert, the opposite has actually happened. There's been a much bigger influx and, and a better appreciation. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that the jazz elders are ecstatic that this torch is burning brighter than it ever has. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, and, um, of course, um, there were some musicians who did leave, you know, leave uh, the workforce in the pandemic and who are, have not come back. I mean, but I think, you know, I think that was just inevitable. And maybe it actually sped up some things that were going to happen, you know, maybe over a period of 10 years otherwise, but it just sort of accelerated that, you know. So, you know, so, and I think the thing is, is maybe it's also... Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's, it's thinned out the herd a little bit, if we'd like to say it like that. But, you know, but some of the musicians that I know who, um, who have now changed careers, well, you know, they were having a rough time before the pandemic as well. You know, so it did sort of concentrate things a little bit. Of course, we did lose some, some musicians, you know, that, to other careers. But, uh, you know, but I think the enthusiasm is there. And hopefully, you know, the venues and the record labels will continue to thrive. I mean, that's going to be something that we're looking at over here to see, that, you know, if all the venues are going to be healthy and, and, and make it. But everything is looking very good right now. Let's get into Hold Your Fire. And I think sometimes from my end of things, I may look into it a little more. I love metaphor and, and, and meaning. And Hold Your Fire, it seems as though that's what we did for three years, all of us collectively. We held on to this fire, hoping that it wasn't going to go out. Now that we're back, it's like, you know, we're ready. We're, we're, we're ready for the heat to come in. I love the, the painting, the tapestry of abstract art on the front of the album cover. Talk to me a little bit about the aesthetics and the meaning behind the title. Yeah, well, actually, the, the thing about Hold Your Fire, um, if you listen to the lyrics, um, and Yuli Olchewski, our vocalist, who it's her composition, and I, you know, I did the, all the arranging on the album, um, when she gave me the song a couple of years ago, um, if you listen to the lyrics, it's, you know, it's talking about uh, you know, uh, calling your allies and holding your fire, and, and it's basically, I thought it was a song about war. You know, and uh, during this, you know, uh, while I was writing the arrangement, um, uh, the first time we rehearsed it, she actually told me, she said, listen, it's not about war, it's about relationships. <laughs> and of course, for those of us who have been in a bad relationship, you know, a bad relationship is very, very close to war, you know. So, um, but once again, the metaphors and the stories are, are the same. What we're talking about a, a, a conflict between nations or a conflict between people. It's still about conflict and about the resolution of conflict. Um, a very interesting thing is, is the album officially came out on February 24th, which is the anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So uh, we were in Berlin for the album release, and actually some people uh, went to uh, a sort of a, a, a support of Ukraine uh, rally, and, uh, and they took the album with and used it as sort of a poster because the colors of the album, and this was also something we weren't, that we, we weren't really aiming for, but it, it is also the color scheme used on the album uh, that is the, the colors of the German national flag. So, you know, so actually it became sort of a political statement, even though it wasn't really intended. That's interesting. It's kind of turned into its own kind of anthem. You know, the, the mood and mode on this album is, is very reflective. There's... There's a lot of this that's very introspective, and, and I'm curious how much of this... You know, listening to this album, there's a level of introspection. There's a level of really kind of honing in on, 
I think to a certain degree, what we lived through the last three years. How much of this artistic vision that you had played to the time we lived through? And really, what were you kind of going for overall? You know, the music was, a lot of it was written during, you know, during lockdowns when we were forced to be at home. Um, so, of course, it was, you know, that the whole mood of the time is what sort of, it, it seeped into the music. You know, and this is something, whether whether or not that was, you know, uh, you know we, I wasn't thinking about it at the time when I was writing the music, it, but it did seep into it. And um, it, it, what happened was sort of when we, you know, if, if you look at the three compositions of Yulia, um, they are connected somehow, uh, and also, you know, the way she writes and the way I decided to orchestrate and arrange them. Um, and then, you know, when we had these three sort of cornerstones of, of the album uh, to put it together, then looking for some other material to offset it, uh, to give it some balance. And that's where we ended up with this Feist cover. Um, which we just thought was just really nice, uh, just a really nice moment. But also, you know, if you think about it in the context of, uh, you know, this whole, this whole situation, all those things we've been going through, I'm not running away. Uh, there's also some poignant statements in there about leaving, about the ending of relationships. If that can, you know, that can easily be, easily be connected to Yulia's composition, Dead Man. Uh, then back to hold your fire, you know. So, so there is a sort of a connectedness between the themes. And then the, the sort of extra piece that just felt like it, we, it just felt like we needed it for a change of mood is the gospel piece, I told Jesus. And this was also just something to give, give the album a, just a little bit different timbre. And, a li and one of the things I always like to do is also to be stylistically diverse. And of course, Yulia's music is very, very modern, even eighth singer-songwriter. And I just felt that we needed something a little bit more traditional. And I told Jesus, you know, uh, influenced by Stanley Turrentin and Roberta Flack versions, uh, the arrangement that, that sort of I, I came up with, it just felt like a, just a nice thing to put in the middle uh, and connect everything else. And then also just sort of give us a little bit more of jazz tradition, a little bit more of history to settle things down. You know, so that, I mean, that was sort of the overriding concept, uh, putting putting the album together, and of course trying to tie it all together with the orchestrations and instrumentation. That was another big, one of the big things on this album, with the low brass tuba bass trombone, the low woodwinds contrabass clarinet with bass saxophone and things like that, to sort of give us this big, warm, warm, round sort of bottom end of the orchestra. And then, of course, contrast that with sort of silver and gold colors a lot of flutes and soprano saxophones and harmon trumpets and things. So it was also, I think, this album. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, uh, one of the goals was also just to sort of uh, really uh, get creative with the orchestration. This obviously is a journey that needs to be digested whole. You know, the modern mentality is people cherry pick songs, but this really needs to be taken in its entirety. And I'm curious, what are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from this project? I hope that when people listen to this, um, they will they will hear these wonderful stories that Yulia's lyrics tell. I hope that they enjoy the wonderful improvised jazz solos that the members of the orchestra played. Um, but also, I hope they'll they'll get up and dance a little bit because also a couple of these tunes, in my opinion, or at least in my world, I mean it's pop pop dance music. And a very, it's a modern big band take on that, you know, so turn it up, 
uh, turn it up loud and dance. Um, you know, so that those are a couple of couple of things that I, I think that people could get from it. And also for maybe listeners who are accustomed to big band music with vocals, you know, still being in the Nelson Riddle, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Frank Sinatra world to see that, hey, there is, we're in the 21st century, and this is hopefully going to, you know, maybe be showing people that there is a very fresh way to present vocal music with big band um, that is looking forward and maybe not always looking backward to the 1950s. And I think that's the thing that's refreshing. I love that, the way that you said that. That's always been a goal of my show is that sometimes jazz gets pigeonholed into the older days, but really there's so much evolution that's going on right now. And, you, and fusing those worlds together is very important to see the timeline of jazz and how wonderful all of it is, both modern and old school. Um, a lot of the times when I do these interviews with musicians, you know, everybody's moving on to the next thing. But I would think with, with this project, with as big as it is and always you dealing with the bigger outfit, have you moved on to the next thought of the next project? Or are you really still locked in to this project and presenting it live? And, and ha where, where's your mentality at right now? Well, this, you know, my, my orchestra, the Epartica Jazz Orchestra, which Yulia has been a member of since 2012, um, it's basically our repertoire remains constant, and it's, it's but constant but slowly evolving. So what will happen is our we just had our, our record release concerts in February. The next time we're going to be playing concerts will be in June. And what will happen to the repertoire? And this is sort of what always happens: is the core repertoire will be will perform that, but one or two new pieces will come in. So you know, so if we play a concert with ten pieces or twelve pieces. Because, of course, most of the songs are quite long. Um, uh, usually one or two new things come in, and a couple of the older numbers sort of leave. So if you look back to the work that we've done in the, over the past 10 years, um, there are a couple of albums where I have arranged some of Yulia's compositions in the, in the past. Uh, there's an album we released in 2014 called Hits, and an album we released in 2018 called Kopfkino. And on both of those albums... There's one or two of Yulia's compositions that I arranged. So once again, the next thing will be, uh, probably for our June concerts, um, I'll get one of Yulia's brand new compositions, do an arrangement, sort of bring that in, and one of the older ones will come out. And so, you know, so that's just how the program develops. And then when we have enough new material, which will probably, you know, be in maybe two years, then that's the next time we'll go into the studio and record the next album. You know, so it's yeah, so it's like I said, it's like a slowly evolving, uh, a slowly evolving uh, picture. So, Ed, anyone out there that wants to pick up a copy of Hold Your Fire, whether it's digital, CD, vinyl, where is the best place to go? And for anything pertaining to any live shows or anything about you and the band? Yeah, I mean, of course, we're, the, the album Hold Your Fire is on all streaming platforms, so Spotify, Apple Music, and you know, so so forth. Of course, it can be ordered online from any reputable uh, music uh, ver uh, merchant. Of course, Amazon and everything. They, you know, if you if you would like the vinyl, uh, and as you mentioned before, it's just very nice cover artwork. And that's another one of the great things about you know about vinyl. Uh, I, you know, nice place for the liner notes and photos of the band and cover work. You know, cover artwork. Um, and then uh, we'll be playing live, like I said, in Berlin, Germany. The next time uh, is in June. 
And basically, the best way to stay informed is through our Facebook page. We have an Ed Partika Jazz Orchestra Facebook page with all of the information and links that uh, everyone needs. So just stop by there um, and, you know, check, yeah, check out what we're up to. And it's always nice to have new followers and new viewers. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to profiling this on Neon Jazz. Ed, again, thank you for reaching out. Thanks for sending this over. And I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you very much, Don. And hope to see you and uh, talk to you soon the next time. You know? Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Berlin, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Ed for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, you can find Neon Jazz interviews on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.